So the first thing we're going to look at is, in the way of, I think, a form of a prayer, ask God for inner strength. And we'll start by looking at our Father. And Paul writes this, For this reason I kneel before the Father. This word kneel is a compound word. And it is a sign of worship. It is a sign of submission. So when the Apostle Paul says, I kneel before the Father, maybe physically he would kneel before the Father, but definitely spiritually he kneels before the Father. There is this sense of submission and understanding that we cannot live apart from the life of God. And so he says here, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. There is also within this word, this compound word, the idea of gratitude. I heard this a long time ago. It has stuck. It's one of those that's caught and stuck. The first sign of a spiritual problem is an attitude of ingratitude. And so as you live your lives, if, if you ever get to the place where you're just not happy, you're not, you just don't see things going right, and you just have this disposition of negativity, it is a reminder to us that we should be, we should be grateful to God for everything that he does for us, everything that he gives us, and all of the blessings in which he bestows on us. In Ephesians chapter 1, I would encourage you to, to read it. You see... God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all active. So this is a good, this is a good idea right here. This man praying at the altar, we got to remember something that when, it, when this word is used, it is used in the sense of worship. So when you pray, it is a form of worship. We, we often think that, well, worship happens here uh, we have 60-something here today, and, uh, but we often think that, that this is worship. We, we come here, and we sing a few songs, and we give our offerings, and Pastor Mike preaches a sermon, and we have a closing hymn, and we go home. Uh, that's true in one sense, but the other sense is every time that you kneel before the Father in submission, and you pray to him, that is a form of... Of worship, And so the Apostle Paul starts very quickly here. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. And then he goes on to add in verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, there's two ways that you can interpret this. The Apostle Paul could be saying it's limited to believers and good angels. From, he says here, from whom every family in, in heaven and on earth is named are named. Or there could be a second translation which I favor and that is it replies to it applies to every person and every angel that was formed because God created the angels and those angels that rebelled against God they still owe their name from God because he is the origin he is the origin Whether, whether they choose to acknowledge him or not. Here's the issue. Every person or 
angel that was ever created owes its origin to God. And I like what uh, Peter O'Brien says in his commentary. Every family in heaven and earth points to a family grouping and classes of angels, good and rebellious alike, which owe their origin to God, while every family on earth speaks of the family groupings and so of the basic structures of human relationships, which owe their existence to God. Let me remind you this morning that you have been created in the image of God. That because you have been created in the image of God, God saved you. And here's the thing. Even lost people who are created in the image of God need to be redeemed by the blood of Christ. And therefore the gospel is open to all. And all may come freely to the foot of the cross and receive Christ and have redemption and forgiveness of sin so that they can begin their journey of faith, which they did not earn, but God freely gave to us through Christ. And last week we looked at uh, when we trust in Christ, he imposes on our lives the gift of salvation. So yeah, every family... Every person that's ever been created owes its existence to God. You go back to Genesis chapter 1, God created everything, therefore everything was created by God and therefore is open to be saved. Now, then he gets into the, <laughs> this is a rather difficult text, and I maybe took too many verses this week, I, don't, I guess we'll find out in a minute, but here we have the prayer, which should be our prayer. Now, he's already said, I kneel before the Father, that according to the wealth of his glory, plutos is the word for wealth, which means riches and abundance. Uh, he has blessed you in, with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. He says he has blessed us. And listen, God is wealthy. God is wealthy. He is also wealthy in grace and mercy and compassion. But God is wealthy. All of this, because he created it, belongs to him. And so we have within our grasp and within our realm the possibility that God can give us everything that we need. We often kind of limit God. Now, this happens according to the wealth of his glory. Doxa, which means splendor and amazement. This is radical here. Listen to this. That according to the wealth of his glory. Do you know what the Apostle Paul is saying here? The Apostle Paul is saying... God, would you give and grant out of your wealth your very essence into our being? Now, that really changes the dynamics of this text. Harold Honer is correct when he writes this. 
In essence, he asked God to grant that the forthcoming request according to the wealth of his essential being. In other words, he's not praying for some abstract, obscure uh, uh, prayer request. He's praying that God will give of himself to the individual believer, that we actually get the essence of God. And by the way, when we trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. That is the essence of God. And then as we move forward in our Christian walk, we come to experience the fullness of what God has put in us. So it's praying for the essence of God. When was the last time you said, God, would you give me yourself? When was the last time you said that? That's exactly what Paul's praying here. Verse 16b, that according to the wealth of his glory, he will grant you, and that's the Philippians, or not the, the Ephesians church, but also to us today, that he will grant you to be strengthened with power. Grant means that God will act upon the request. So Paul's sitting here, Lord, I bow before you from whom every person and angel is made, and Father, that you would grant of your essence, that you would grant of your essence that they be strengthened with power. Strengthened literally means to become strong. So often, brothers and sisters, we, we go through this life and we think that we have to do this on our own. No! You can never divorce faith from your spiritual walk. It doesn't just happen at salvation. Faith means that we believe that God will strengthen us for whatever event or whatever life throws at us. He will strengthen us so that we can live our lives in power. I think sometimes we, we forget that we have our Father who sent Jesus Christ. We have our Father who is in heaven that is willing to give himself to us in a way in which we can experience him in a greater way. And so often we just go through our lives and go, you know, things are really tough, man. I can't, can't handle this. Well, when was the last time you prayed that God would strengthen you? God, give me power. Give me strength. I need it. There's also the idea of understanding that we can't do this apart from Christ and apart from God. This, uh, this weightlifter here, I want to make sure I get this right, 568 pounds. Okay, that's about, quick calculation, that's three of me. Well, maybe not quite. Two and a half. So somebody come up and see if you can lift that. Dunamis means the ability to do something. This happens. Do you know how you become strong? And I'm not talking about physically, obviously. I'm talking about spiritually. Do you know how you become strong? You start relying more and more and more on the very essence of God. That's how you become strong. 
That's how you go through. I have seen Christians go through all kinds of stuff, and it always has amazed me. It has always amazed me that they can go through this and still stand and still go to church on Sunday morning and praise God. Where does that come from? It comes from knowing God and his power. Listen, we can't do this on our own. We need help. We cannot do this on our own. So who is going to help us? After the strengthening, I grant that you may be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner person. The word for Holy Spirit here is pneuma, and that is what is given to us at salvation. Esso is the Greek word for inner, which refers to the inward person. Listen, the Christian life is not about externals. It is not about externals. The Christian life is about the internal. The Christian life is about inward, not outward. The inward will dictate what you do outwardly. But this Christian life is not about appearances or this looks really good, so I'm going to do it. No, it is an inward issue. Uh, Ephesians 4.23, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This is inward. Listen, there's probably people out there that they look good outwardly. But inwardly, very weak. Very weak. That's because they have not been renewing their mind. 2 Corinthians 4.16 Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Outwardly, we are being renewed day by day. You know, the issue, the issue is this. Now, this may be a poor understanding of this, but if we're looking at this from the point of salvation and as we grow in our spiritual understanding of God and we learn more and more of him and we are getting more and more of his essence the spirits there we're saved it's not the issue maybe this is not the best illustration but it shows that you can be filled and that the filling continues and the filling will continue until you see Jesus Christ face to face now, this is a good segue to what we're getting ready to talk about. And this is where my view radically changed as I studied these verses. So that Christ will be at home in you. He's already pray, prayed that I, I pray that, that you would grant them inner strength. And now he begins with the dwelling that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith. The issue here 
is not salvation. We've moved beyond salvation. The issue is not salvation that's already been established. That is also a work of God. And this word dwell, this word dwell means to reside or to live in a place. To reside or live in a place. In the Septuagint, 643 times. In the canonical books, it's used 583 times. And get this, 500 of those occurrences mean to sit, to remain, and reside. It's a living space. So he's saying, God, I want you to give them out of your essence power and strength so that Christ may dwell in their hearts. And that obviously conjures up the image of your living room. Now, Harold Honer says this, it denotes namely that Christ may be at home in, that is at the very center of our deeply rooted uh, de or deeply rooted in believers' lives. Christ must become the controlling factor in attitudes and conduct. Harold Honer is exactly right. Because when you look at this word, it means a living space or for Christ to be at home in us. Let me say this. If Jesus was coming to your house for dinner, how would you prepare for that? What would you do? You make sure everything's right, right? You wouldn't say, come on in, Jesus. Dinner's not ready. The house is trashed. <laughs> right? You wouldn't say, come on in, Jesus. The spiritual point is this. To be strengthened and filled with the power of Christ means that he is the center of our lives, that he feels at home in us. And the way that we make him at home in us is to get rid of the spiritual clutter that we have in our lives and to clean that up and to say, Christ, I give you full reign of my life. God gave me this image. I would never have Jesus come sit there, ever. Honer's right. It means to be at home in. Doesn't that change our perspective about our spiritual life? Now, granted, Jesus never leaves us. But to be at home 
and reside in means that God wants to fill us up completely with him. And a lot of the stuff that we have in our lives, we're like spiritual hoarders. We need to dump that stuff. And we need to say, you know what, God, I'm going to give you control of my life. In the hearts, he mentions here, that is the innermost being. So that because you have been rooted and grounded in love. Rooted is a botanical metaphor. Grounded is a architectural metaphor. So here you have two metaphors going along. The word love here is agape. You're very familiar with that. That means a sacrificial love. That sacrificial love was demonstrated on the cross by Christ. Paul's saying, I want you to experience all this. I want Christ to be at home in your heart and, and I want you to be rooted and grounded. Not rooted and grounded in Baptist doctrine. Rooted and grounded in what this person thinks. But rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. This is what it is about. Christians do not live the Christian life effectively because they've never truly understand the depths of God's love for them. And so they're looking for other things and they fill their lives with all kinds of stuff when they really need to be filled with the love of Christ. That is how your life changes. That is how you get on the road of faith. That is how you come to know the glory and the majesty of God. And I believe this with every heart of my being. And this is what Paul is saying. Look, Christ needs to be at home in your life. And, and to, in order to do that, there's things we have to push out. We are so taken in by the world at times that we have to look this way or we have to act this way. And God says, this is what God says from the moment that you're saved. He loves you. And so as you live your Christian life, the goal is to fall in love with Jesus and to know that you are loved by him. And so too often I think we get into this, this mode where I trusted in Jesus, now I've got to try to do this on my own. And that's not how it works. And he's, you notice he trees it all down to the love that you be rooted and grounded in the sacrificial love of Christ. Do you know why Jesus went to the cross? Because he loved you. And do you know what the goal of the Christian life is after that? To experience the magnitude of God's love for you. Kenneth Woost in word studies in the Greek New Testament writes this. Being rooted and grounded are in a perfect tense participles. I probably should have moved that out. It means nothing to you all. But they are the result of a strengthening by the Spirit and the consequent at-homeness of the Lord. 
in the believer's heart and fellowship with him. When you welcome Christ in, and you do everything to show him that you love him and you're in a relationship with him, you cannot help but experience the fullness of his love for you. And again, why do you think people search? Why do you think they search? They search because they're empty. And if they ever came to a place when they would trust in Christ and experience the real love of God, listen, there's two ways to serve God. You can serve God out of fear or you can serve God out of love. I choose love. I want to serve God out of love because he loves me. For God so loved the world. And guess what? For God so loved you. And it's as we walk, those of you that have been married for years, you know that as you walk, you know more about your spouse and your love gets deeper. You can even start finishing each other's sentences. You take that relationship, that's what the relationship should be with Christ. You all do know we are the bride of Christ. It is the love that is so important. Rooted. There's the botanical issue, agricultural, whatever you want to call it. But that tree's going nowhere anytime soon. Then you have the foundation rooted and grounded, not in somebody's doctrine, not in somebody's theology, not in man-made rules, but grounded in the love of God. See, this is all about, this is all about learning that God loves you and to fall in love with him. And to say, God, I need you. I need your power. I need your strength. That's what this is about. This is where prayer and faith come in. This is something we should be praying a lot. Love is the soil which the believer grows and the foundation on which they are built. I, I, please listen, I cannot stress this enough. I, I want you to know today that if you're in Christ, he loves you. He loves you so much. And as we come to experience 
that love, we begin to understand the magnitude of what he did for us. And it is a game changer. When you were dating your spouse, what'd you do? <laughs> you did a lot because you love them. That's how you drive your Christian walk in faith. And it is about making Christ at home. Getting rid of the stuff. We got so much junk in there. Just, you have a computer and it gets, you have to clean it out every once in a while. Or your, your computer will freeze. I googled this week how to unfreeze my computer because it was, said you have too many tabs open. And of course, my program takes a lot of space on that. Love is the soil which the believer grows and the foundations on which we are built. Please understand that. Lastly, comprehension. So if you get that down, you may be able to comprehend with all the saints, those in Ephesus and those right here at this church, what the breadth, the length, the height, and the death. And thus, and thus, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. That, listen to this, this is, this is key. That you may be filled up with the fullness of God. Ask God when you're praying, God, help me love you more. Let me feel and sense your love. When was the last time you prayed that? Because when that happens, Paul says, I want you to be filled up with the full measure of the love of Christ. And again, when a person is so growing in the love of Christ, you don't get this. You don't get that. I love you. And I want you to experience the love of Christ personally. Somebody that's in love with Jesus seeks to live in a way to please him. This word comprehend means okay. This word comprehend means to understand something that was not previously known. Um, different views on this you see these four, the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. There's, uh, some see that as the spiritual dimension of the church. Some see that as a spiritual temple. Because you have this. Some see it as the shape of the cross. This is interesting too. There was a, a, 
magical mysticism that was at Ephesus, and there was, uh, it made its way up from Egypt. And they called it the four powers, and they used these exact four. And so it's possible that Paul says, wait a minute, no, no, no. This is the real power that you may understand the vastness that you may know the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of the love of God. You see where Paul's going with this? This strengthening inwardly is all about coming to a complete understanding of how deep God's love is for you and me. This is the, um, I'm going to go through these quickly, spiritual dimension of the church, spiritual temple, the cross, magical practices, and of course the vastness of the love of Christ. I'm giving some people a chance to write it down real quick. You can see me after church, too. This is the M16. Not the M16 like you shoot. It's called the Eagle Nebula. I'll give you some stats here. It's 7,000 light years away from Earth. And you can actually get it over a camera. Scientists call it the pillar of creation. Because that's as far as it goes. Think about when you walk outside. Maybe tonight, I don't know. It hasn't been clear much. I'm really itching to get my telescope back out, but when you look up into the solar system, into the skies, and you look at the stars, and then you, it's amazing, really is, 25 mil, whatever you're using, when you put a lens in that telescope, and you look in it, you see hundreds of stars that you could not see before. It is quite amazing. And he says, I want you to know the full dynamic of God's love. But you can't do that if you haven't gone deeper with him and say, I want to experience you to the fullest. Let's close it. Number one. Oh, by the way, I forgot this. I knew there was something not quite right. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. That's how much God loves you. So this is what I want us to do this week. I want you to ask God for inner strength. 
Also, it would be good while you're asking God for inner strength to check your heart. And say, God, I want you to be at home in my life. I want you to control every facet of my life. Lord, I want to experience your love in its fullness. And Father, as I experience that love, I fall more in love with you, and it begins to show in my life. This has never been about rules and regulations. Although they are important, the most important thing is to understand how deeply loved that you 